freedomslips.com. If you plan to call in and speak with one of our hosts, please turn down your radio and separate yourself from any background noise and wait for the area code to be called on before you speak. And don't forget, revolutionradiofreedomslips.com is listener supported. So stop by the homepage, freedomslips.com, visit the site support area to help support the host you're listening to's airtime. Thank you. Revolutionradiofreedomslips.com, where the truth never sleeps. Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. 
I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. society on upon which this country has fallen, a storm upon the horizon. It's been said that those that have the eyes to see and the ears to hear will play a paramount role in the furthering of humanity and civilized society. But can civilized society and humanity survive the coming conflicts? Not seen since a dawn of time in ages bypassed. But you can find true forms of information and knowledge in abundance at revolution.radio, freedomsleps.com, the number one listener supported radio station on the globe. Stand upon the right side of history. Opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Organize myself a little bit. I'm assuming I'm live unless Mist 139 tells me that I'm not. 
Uh, a laptop and a PC running, and there you go. So you're listening to Revolution Radio, and this is Free Association Roundtable. Uh, and when I get myself organised, I shall be with you momentarily. All right, good. We have lift off. Um, apart from a minor technical issue with the laptop, because I couldn't get Skype to work on the laptop. So I'm now going up a backup PC, of course. It's, uh, it's only a minor issue. It would have been a major issue a few weeks ago. But, uh, Moments will follow and um, get me chewed up and running, I think. That's where we'll start. Start be chewed. So it's a Tuesday in March. I don't, I don't know the date. I don't really do dates. It's just one of those things. I can do months and I do years, but I don't do dates really. And, uh, as well because dates don't do me either. One of the things I do on this show is just take a look at what's happening in the entertainment category on YouTube because people are uploading things and uh, I keep finding every day pretty much. So what I want to do is just uh, bring Lawrence in at some point soon, but I want to go, just go through a little bit first. See if there's anything new on there. Sure, since last night. I trapped last night on an old episode of Duo 90, and uh, I was thinking about playing that, but I don't know whether I will or not. I might do later on. Um, Might be worth playing part of it. But really it was just uh because I had forgotten how good Joe 90 actually is. And I know it's better when you're watching it when you're six or seven, but uh it's pretty good when you're fifty six as well. And it's it's all about the transhumanism, it's all about the transfer of consciousness. Moving people's brainwave patterns. Into a, I don't know how old you are, 90 years, maybe a 12 year old boy, something like that. And using the brainwave patterns of somebody who's an expert in something and giving that skill to a 12 year old. That's what they're doing, so they're transferring consciousness. I didn't know that when I was six, it just looked like something that was good fun to me. Uh, So, so the only movie that's shown up since last night is, is a thing called Boyhood, which I don't know anything about. And a new episode of Babylon 5 is shown up. That's pretty much it. So let me see, let me see if Lawrence is around. Bring Lawrence in. 
set up my share screen before this will even work, so let's do that. Too early in the morning for me, I've forgotten everything that I'm used to know. There we go, share screen. You're going to do a very fascinating presentation. Your lecture is entitled The Ecosystem of Creativity. Let's start there. What do, what do you mean by that term? Yeah, what I mean by that term is that everything that is living uh, has an existence, and that existence is usually nested inside of a reality. So what I've come to realise is that our own creative process is an extension of who and what we are. And just as we have an ecosystem that we require, require the, the ecosystem to be nourishing, uh, we require the ecosystem to be supportive. It needs to be in harmony with our existence, with our uh, needs, our requirements. And, and that, that supportive nature, if I can use the analogy and you have a plant behind you, and I always use this analogy of gardening, or if you have a plant, if you put a plant in the wrong position, then uh, an, an inappropriate ecosystem, then it requires extra energy, extra resources, extra yeah. water, extra nutrients. It struggles. Mm-hmm. And then even if it's um, struggling, if it doesn't die, you know, a lot of plants eventually just will, will wither and die. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it usually has a very unhealthy uh, habit, growth habit, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go very well. But then you take that plant and you put it in its appropriate ecosystem, then all of a sudden it's thriving. So uh, it's, a, it's a similar analogy. So when we are uh, expressing our creativity, we need to understand that that is an extension of us and therefore we are Basically, it's like an energetic incarnation into a reality. So our creativity is an expression and a living construct unto itself. And so like we are living in a particular ecosystem, we need to understand our creative process needs an appropriate ecosystem for it to thrive, for it to be Mm -hmm. successful. Let let, let me ask you, George, about the phenomena of conferences themselves, because you and I will both be at this conference in, Mm -hmm. in Seattle in March. There's so much stuff that's offered online these days, but I find that the environment provided by a live conference where, you know, you're body to body with other people actually creates more potential for deep change and deep revelation. Do you agree with that? I fully agree because I run courses that are in person and I run courses that are online. And I usually say to people with the online courses there that they're a slower process over several weeks. And then my in-person um, version of the same course is compressed over four to five days. So right. the people that come, so I call one tortoise medicine and I call the other one hair medicine. <laughs> and, um, and people that uh, usually do the online one are really fascinated and, and excited about coming along to the live one yeah. and experience that full immersion in that energy, yeah. Yeah. which with a large group of people then creates such a beautiful ecosystem and environment once yeah. again. And, and I think this is what I'm excited about coming to the AMP conference is because it's people who are really interested in creating the new reality moving forward. And I'm really excited about that ecosystem. Well, and, you know, the, the thing you and I have both heard at conferences uh, is often that the best part of the conference 
is not the presentation. It's mm. the relationships. It's the, the conversations over lunch. <clears throat> What's unique about ANP <clears throat> is that we feature that. It's not a kind of after the fact. It's something that we really put front and center, the connecting. So it's actually more co-creating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the connections and what I find too at, at, at conferences and, and events that I facilitate um, globally is that we are coming across and reconnecting with, it's a familiar term, it's called soul family or it's just ancient friendships that, you know, you can look at a person in this world at this time, in this incarnation and just instantly recognize someone that you have physically not crossed paths with, but all of a sudden you're feeling that familiarity of an old ancient friendship. Well, what do you, what do you think that is? Because I think we all have felt that. What what is that? What what's your view on what that? What what are we feeling actually? Yeah, my my take on this is uh, uh, the universe is a huge uh, paradigm of reality. It is colossal in nature, and uh, we are. It has to do with the essence of who we are as a not just a humanity, which is the species we've incarnated into, but the nature of our being beyond our humanity. And uh, we are multidimensional beings. The universe is a multidimensional construct. And the nature of reality is really vast. And so we have had experiences with, with people and what we call people in this world and uh, a spirit, a consciousness and a soul in other dimensions, in other worlds, in other lifetimes, in previous lives in this world. And it's a really fascinating and very, very adventurous uh, life in this universe. Well, let, let me pose what I know is a difficult question, but I know you're up to it. How do you personally, and this would relate to listeners and viewers too, but how do you reconcile your altered state experience, because clearly you're having it, with living in the world the way it is? Because it's often the re-entry, for instance, after a conference is tough. And, uh, you know, we're all familiar with great epiphanies that may not last. You know, the glow fades and then, you know, there's the workshop junkies who have to go back to the next workshop. Just asking you personally, how do you live in both worlds? How do you sustain this kind of uh, intergalactic, multidimensional perspective in your living experience day to day, making breakfast, uh, driving somewhere, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, exactly that. And uh, so the way I actually uh, do that is have a really better understanding of my self as a being and my relationship. So the relationship I'm actually having uh, with Mother Earth, uh, the planet that we have chosen to come and have an incarnational experience upon. So each one of us is having a very, very unique relationship with that living sentient being. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with the solar system and it's the same with the galaxy and the universe. So it, it's not, I've got a, a Georgism and the Georgism is it's not rocket science, it's relationship. And when we start bringing everything back to uh, the simplistic nature of the relationships we're having, conscious, co-creative relationships with the realities and the prime creators of these realities, then we begin to understand the nature of our existence in this world. Because the knowledge, the information uh, that we require to better understand our existence in this world resides in the unified field of love between us and our mother planet. Inside that relationship is all of that knowledge. And it's really as simple as relaxing back into that. So it's not something we have to force the issue to create or, or perform mm-hmm. rituals to make happen. It's something that actually already exists. And all we need to do is relax into it. Well, George, what I'm loving about uh, what you're saying is that it's uh, access 
is available to all of us. Absolutely. Okay? We don't need to go through a guru, for instance, although there's much to learn from people who've been on the path longer and farther than, than we have. But say a little bit about access because, uh, you know, people meditate. Uh, there's all kinds of processes for accessing supernatural states. I get from what you're saying that it's actually just natural, that this is our innate state. But how do you recommend accessing it and staying there? Yeah, and I'm still a work in progress, so I'm in the process of <laughs> reconnecting more and more each day, um, substantiating my natural relationship uh, with these, uh, you know, foundational intelligences of these realities. And what I do want to share with anybody who's listening to this, and it really comes down to it is so simple, it is so clear, it is invisible to most, okay? Mm. What happens is we get caught up in this notion because of the narratives that have entered into our societal constructs mm-hmm. that we are lesser than, that we are no good, that we are lowly pathetic humans who squabble and fight amongst ourselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's this really interesting cosmopolitical narrative that's entered into this, this planet um, to diminish us. So once we begin to understand, now hang on, naturally we're actually something much greater than that because mm-hmm. uh, we're so much more. And uh, and the truth of the nature is all we need to do is just relax into the most simplistic um, nature of them all, and that is that relationship. And then we are able to actually um, realise more of ourselves. We see the layers within ourselves because mm-hmm. that relationship is the core of our existence here. Right. And when we relax into that, then we begin to see all the outer layers, so mm-hmm. the core meaning the most inner yeah. Uh, deepest relationship of our existence in this world mm-hmm. is that relationship. So all the layers beyond that, we begin to realize that relaxing into the heart soul essence, we see the layers of consciousness, all right. the different layers of the mind that are here. And I'm going to be explaining that in my presentation so mm-hmm. people can get really clear about what has happened to human consciousness mm-hmm. and why we are behaving the way we're behaving. Right. And once we understand that and get really clear about that, we're able to observe all the different layers that are in this space, and this space is the interface mm-hmm. of how this emanating outwardly creating our construct here requires this as the interface module to communicate with others and reality. So depending on what you put into this space here, mm-hmm will depend on what lenses you put over <laughs> right. perception of reality. So it's yeah. about being quite careful about what you put into this space here. Yeah. Right. No kidding. Well, I'm fascinated by uh, the title of your intensive. You'll be doing a Sunday afternoon uh, intensive for a smaller number of the participants, reality management. Mm. And uh, putting those two words together in itself is interesting. Talk a little bit about this because... I know that people coming are going to want to take away tools for managing their reality. So what can people expect to come to your intensive? Yeah, so reality management, the foundation of that, once again, is these relationships and, and getting clear about the, the, the what's happening to our field of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we start getting more of that clarity, then we can enter into how do we actually implement our creative process? How do we actually understand how to navigate our way better through this reality? Uh, for example, if I want to uh, create something like we do on the internet here, I want to be respectful to the fact that I'm entering into a reality that someone else has created and I'm visiting that space, but I'm also have permission to create in that space. Mm-hmm. And so there are um, uh, respectful parameters like 
if I come to your home, Will, I want to respect the fact that I'm in your home yeah. and I'm not going to come in and try and take over or try and, you know, um, belligerently just impose my way around your, your, your home. And so uh, a lot of people are missing the point as to what co-creation and, and the essence of co-creation actually means. And once we begin to understand our world, the planet, and also the societal construct, and yes, there's all the controlling factions, there's all this um, unfortunate um, powers and elite and all these things that are going on in our world, which I'm very much aware of and I talk about regularly. However, how do we go about creating it amongst all of this yeah. chaotic storm <laughs> that is emerging on the planet? Because a creative process right now being expressed in this world is beginning to get more challenging because yeah. we're being corralled into an augmented state. Mm-hmm. And there are those of us who are not interested in that path, but are more interested in a more balanced future between mm-hmm. technology, nature, and humanity. And uh, and that is very a uh, very real and very possible outcome if we just understand the bigger picture and then make the choices according to our desires uh, from the heart. Well, George, it seems that much of what you're speaking of must relate to identity. Okay, so that was from 2020. Uh, it was pre-pandemic. I think it still applies, though, really. Well, the, the only thing you really said in that 10 minutes, 13 minutes, was uh, relax into the love of the earth. And I think that's it's an important thing to to remember, that we can just relax into the That's a poetic way of saying uh, get grounded, get grounded on the earth and accept the way things are and he's using the um, the language, he talks about um, the, cre- the creator of particular belief systems, the creator of particular ways of being as as entities and which may or may not be the case. I don't know whether these things... Thought forms can look like they're alive and they may not be. And uh, calling something an entity makes the assumption that it's got some kind of life to it and it's got some kind of consciousness to it, uh, which it may not have. It may be an automated process, an automatic process. Um could just could be the way things are set up with different sets of assumptions producing different um, belief systems which produce different realities. Simple as that, really. But the, the but the relax into the into the love love of the earth is uh, is a key thing which I do agree with. And here's a little bit of the earthing movie just to reinforce that point. That's the thing that stood out for me. So. Um, the Earthing movie is all about that, really, but in a in different language. Our names are Rebecca and Josh Tickell. We're filmmakers, and our specialty is making films about the environment. In 2010, we made a movie called The Big Fix about an oil spill that happened in Louisiana. While filming that movie, I was exposed to a toxic chemical dispersant. (coughs) My health suffered considerably, and I had skin rashes, 
and other problems. Doctors said that I may even have problems conceiving or bearing children. In spite of the warnings, we decided to try to have kids anyway. Even knowing the risks didn't make it any less devastating when I had a miscarriage. I love little person that gets you as dad is really. Really? <laughs> now she's looking at you. Oh, she lifted her hand. Oh, wait. <laughs> so. <sighs> when we got pregnant with our daughter, the doctor said there was a birth defect and there was a chance she wouldn't make it. <gasps> I love you, Athena. <laughs> Miraculously, she was born healthy and happy. But for two years, she had chronic sicknesses. And we were in and out of hospitals almost constantly. So we decided to look at all of our options. And nothing was off the table. Call your doctor if your depression worsens or if you have unusual changes in behavior or thoughts of suicide. Symptoms of a serious allergic reaction may include itching, rash, or difficulty breathing. Tell your doctor if you get experience. No worsening cough, chest pain, shortness of breath, diarrhea, severe stomach pain, or tenderness. The dichotomy between alternative and traditional medicine is a false one. So first off, what we have to talk about is what exactly is CBD? There are some natural doctors out there who literally claim they know everything. So they're telling you about vaccinations, they're telling you about everything that you should do. I think you need to be very cautious as a consumer of health care. There are medical doctors out there who offer some of this hocus, yes. I'll call it hocus pocus. Virtual dolphin therapy. It's the most relaxing experience you can ever have. Snake massage therapy. Urine therapy. And the only thing I can do is to drink my own pee. Finally, a friend gave us a copy of the book called Earthing. The premise? By planting your bare feet on the ground, your body will begin to heal itself. Could such a simple thing help our daughter get better? It sounded too easy. We were skeptical. And as it turns out, we weren't the only ones. Please welcome Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> There are a couple of things, and I've written them down here. For instance, tell us about earthing. What is earthing? Oh, okay. It's kind of, they say that we lost touch with sort of being barefoot in the earth and that there's some type of electromagnetic thing that we're missing. And that is so true. It's good to take your shoes off and walk in the grass. Okay. I don't know what the <laughs> we talk about. So we decided to consult the experts. In simple terms, Grounding is literally putting your bare feet on the ground. When you do that, you're in contact with the Earth, and Mother Earth is endowed with electrons. 
And these electrons are literally absorbed through your feet. It's like taking handfuls of antioxidants, but you're getting it through the feet. Grounding means connecting to the earth to support the specific function of the organs of your body. It supports the body as a whole, but it specifically supports organ systems down to the tissues and the cellular function of the entire body. Grounding provides a steady, we call it a ground plane. It's like lying naked on the earth, but where I come from in the winter, you can't do that. All the systems in the body, all of them that we've measured, and we've measured just about everything you can think of, everything goes to balance, to normal, when you're grounded. The man who started the grounding, a.k.a. earthing movement, is Clint Ober. Well, Clint, I mean, we're, first of all, we're super honored to have you here. You know, your book has been everywhere and everyone has been telling us about it. It's kind of a phenomenon and it's also kind of hard to believe. I have to confess, when I first heard about earthing, I was super skeptical. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, is that a common reaction that you get from people? Yes. And I was myself. It took me 20 years to dig this out of the dirt and get it to the world. And I questioned it all the way because it just didn't make sense. And what is the main reaction you get from people when they get this information? The response has been pretty much uh, a lot of skepticism, which because it sounds absurd. How can I just take my shoes off, put my feet on the ground and reduce inflammation? Because the world has been about everything from oatmeal to blueberries to you name it. It's one of those things you can talk until you're blue in the face, but until you experience it, you're not going to believe it. But once you experience it, then uh, the biggest trouble you have is trying to explain it to somebody else. So a lot of the naysayers, I mean, they, like most of the guys say, well, if this were true, I would have known about this. I would have uh-huh. heard about this. Somebody would have told us this. This can't be something brand new that we don't know about. And I just say, I'm sorry, it is something, something new. I mean, something we accidentally, we accidentally disconnected from the earth. Being there for everybody to be able to wear shoes, inexpensive shoes, that was a real advancement. Um, but on the other hand, nobody knew the consequence or the side effects of of um, losing our ground, losing our electrical ground with the planet. I grew up around Native American people, primarily the Cheyenne and the Crow. My dad died when I was quite young, but I remember even before he died, we didn't have a lot of money or a lot of material things. But in the Native American culture, it was very interesting that nobody owns anything. You can't own land. You can't own trees. How can you own this? And then there was an event where one of my friend's sister, a little Indian girl, had, I believe it was scarlet fever. She'd been to the doctors and all that kind of stuff, and she wasn't getting well. And they brought her home, and there was nothing they could do for her, but everybody was real traumatized by it. I remember one of the elders, they dug a pit. 
bit of straw in it, whatever. And they put her in the in the ground on the earth. Built a fire there and just sat with her for like days. She was up running around. She was okay. <laughs> It was just awesome. Just totally awesome. There are many things that that kind of stuck in my memory as I got older, and one of them was I remember coming home one day, and we were going to go in a, into one of the kids' teepees with his parents, and. And the mother said, "Take those shoes off; they'll make you sick." Why she would say they would make you sick, well, I wouldn't have had a clue at that time. It turns out that today we Americans don't spend a whole lot of time grounding. That may have something to do with our love of shoes. Tell me about your relationship with your feet and shoes. I, I wear them. My shoes. I love shoes. Oh my god. Um, it's more of an addiction. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much need them for everything. Unless you want to stub your toe everywhere. It's like your shoes kind of represent you. you know, I feel anyway. Yeah, you got you got to get the shoes first, and then that matches the outfit that's going to go with it. You can never just. It's not clothes first and shoes later. It's shoes first and clothes. Yeah. <laughs> that's like my biggest thing. I stub my toe every day. How many pairs do you think you have? I think of Doc Martens alone. I have ten. Oh God, no. Um, maybe ten, but only a few pairs that I like. I'd say fifty or sixty pairs of shoes. Have you guys ever heard of grounding? No. 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 <laughs> What is that? Do I know much about grounding? Yeah, I have two kids. Yeah, I ground them all the time. Grounding? Oh, it's like um, spiritually, like connected, becoming conne like more grounded and connected to your, the earth. There are some people who think that walking barefoot could bring some health benefits. What do you think of that? Uh, I agree, but disagree. I don't know. It's baloney. <laughs> I don't know. Like when you go barefoot, and you like touch like the warm sand, or you go like to the ocean. It just like feels like better. Like your body like feels more calm or something. I think the benefit, if we could, would give me, my, me personally, more of like a connection to my life, to all the life around me. You know what I mean? Now that you think of it, I mean, when I go barefoot, maybe at my house or something, it feels nice. Maybe that's the stint that we have. There's things that we don't even recognize, like shoes, in the first place. Do you feel like more people could benefit from being grounded? Oh, for sure, absolutely. It's healthy. It's healthy. It's natural. I actually got yelled at a lot by my parents because I would try to go barefoot everywhere, even in the snow. Uh, barefoot's like for me. I I just don't feel comfortable. I guess you can say, but like, I don't know. It's just not really my my trend. Oh, I went through a mall barefoot. Oh, she my shoes. Yeah, on. she loves to try to sleep with the shoes on. Like shoes off the bed. <laughs> What helps you get grounded? Um, good shoes. <laughs> But shoes haven't always been such a big part of our culture. Okay. 
What's the deal with these? <clears throat> well. <laughs> America makes synthetic rubber. This kind, one of two principal types, is called Buna S. Mix the chemicals thoroughly and... In 1960, we invented synthetic materials. The first thing we did was we put rubber soles, synthetic soles, on the shoes. Come on, boys and girls, and follow me. I'm Swifty Flyer. I just can't be beating my PF Flyers, the shoes that winners choose. A big event happened. You know, I call it the Nike generation, the Adidas generation, the tennis shoes generation. We started wearing sneakers. Ninety-five percent of people walk insulated on the earth. So this most common sense thing that we are organisms that live and grow and depend entirely on the earth while we're alive. And yet, we have completely isolated ourselves from it. We're so disconnected that it becomes this weird thing if we actually slip our shoes off. You've heard it before, celebrities are just like us. Or are they? Elle Fanning did something the other day that probably a lot of you may not do. The 18-year-old actress landed at LAX airport late one night. Looked pretty comfortable, but it was what she wasn't wearing that was getting people's attention. She walked barefoot throughout the airport. This was the single thing that happened that probably caused the proliferation of inflammation-related health disorders far and above anything else. This is the uh, most destructive invention that man ever made, the synthetic sole shoe. This is so incredible. This is Nobel Prize material. Basically, what we're trying to demonstrate, what we're going to demonstrate here is to show that when you stand barefoot on the earth and you touch the earth, that your body is conducting. And what this is, is basically a con continuity meter. But So what I'm going to do is plug it into the earth, like so. And I'm going to put my hand on it, and you, you can see, or my finger on the back of it, you can see that the light turns green, and that means that I'm grounded. To illustrate this, Sam here is wearing a pair of tennis shoes, and when he puts it on, he turns it on, you can see that he's not grounded. But because I am grounded, I am barefoot on the earth, when I touch Sam, he turns, he is naturally grounded. Like many great discoveries, Clint Ober stumbled onto grounding as a result of an unusual sequence of events. I got involved in the cable industry in the early 60s. I first learned the need to ground cable signals as we were developing the industry. When you run a wire into the house, before you can go into the house, you have to ground the cable. Grounding is to maintain the entire system in a stable electrical environment. I mean, you have miles of wire hanging up there in the air. If there's lightning in the air, it's going to hit the cable. And so what you want to do is create a path to ground for the lightning so that it doesn't enter the house. 
or blow up the TV or create a fire. So any electrical event is maintained at Earth potential, automatically equalized with the Earth and eliminated, neutralized. Clint had a background in the cable TV industry and he knew that cables that come to your home with TV programs have to be grounded. If they're not, two things can happen. You get snow on the screen, the picture is terrible, and the other is you get a knock on the door from the Federal Communications Commission because the signal is disturbing aircraft communication. It leaks into the environment. Just as ungrounded signals wreak havoc on radio communications, there's growing concern that because we are not grounded, we absorb tremendous amounts of electromagnetic radiation from our modern devices. EMF stands for electromagnetic field. We are all immersed in electromagnetic fields from Wi-Fi, from the wiring in our homes, and it disturbs our electrical balance. We get charged inside of our bodies. We get electrically charged. Some people have as much as 20 volts on their bodies, and that's not good for you. But in our natural state, the Earth has a built-in system to ground our bodies. Unbeckons to us, we live inside a battery. The surface of the Earth is charged negatively, and the ionosphere, which is a layer of the atmosphere about 60 miles up, which is ionized by the sun, meaning that the rays of the sun are so strong that they split the molecules in two, a positive charge and a negative charge. The sun spews out electrons. They come to the Earth. They hit the ionosphere. They charge the ionosphere. And periodically, the ionosphere releases lots of electrons. It's called lightning. The negative charge are transferred to the surface of the Earth through lightning mainly. And the positive charge stay 60 miles up. The surface of the Earth is electrically conductive. And wherever you are standing barefoot on the Earth or connected to the Earth, you are collecting electrons that came from the sun. The problem arises when we don't have negative charge. We need grounding just as we need air and we need sunshine. So the TV industry, Clint, he had to make sure all the cables were very well grounded. And then he started to wonder if people need to be grounded. And what I saw with cable TV was it was bigger than Billings, Montana. The world was bigger than where I lived. I ended up in Denver, Colorado, working for Telecommunications Inc. One day I was home with my children and I had bought them computers. We could do checkbooks and play games. That was all we could do with them back then. It just dawned on me that was, I said, that's a TV set without a signal. So I, I had this brainstorm and I thought, well, let's go get all these wire services together and put them into a unified data stream, feed them over the satellite and down the cable system, feed them into a computer. And the main thing that happened at that time that was probably very significant for the cable industry was we created the first cable modem.
He changed the world in a day, in a moment. I was living in five thousand. All right, that's the first, the first few minutes, first twenty minutes of the Earthing movie. I think I'll continue on with that a little bit in the second half. Uh, we're coming up to the break, so I just rem- a quick reminder: you're listening to Free Association. This is the roundtable version. Uh, I'll see if I can get hold of Lawrence. If, if he's not available, we'll continue with his with the Earthing movie. If he is, we'll have a conversation. Um, but you, you're listening to Revolution Radio, which is a listener-supported radio, two studios running 24 hours a day. Uh, we do need donations to keep the servers running and to keep the bandwidth running. Uh, so if you do have uh, a few dollars you can spare, come down to revolution.radio or freedomslips.com and you'll see a donation tab on the menu and you'll see a store on the menu. You can buy merchandise buy cups and hats and t-shirts, sweatshirts, that sort of thing. Or you can set up a monthly donation by Patreon, or you can make a one-off donation and uh, support us that way. But uh, we we do appreciate the support, and we need the support to keep going. As uh, 90 hosts nearly now here. There's a lot of people running shows, all of whom are volunteers, the Technical staff are all volunteers, so it's a it's an operation that's a, a a big thing to run in terms of the technical side. I wouldn't know how to start with the technical side of this. I'm uh, going to have a conversation with somebody at some point about it, but uh, at the moment I wouldn't know where to start because there's a lot of uh, a lot of hacking going on that needs to be sorted out, and there's bandwidth issues and all the rest of it but it all happens behind the scenes and we don't even see it so um, as I say I'll be back in about 3 or 4 minutes I'm going to put the kettle on I'm going to have a cup of coffee and we'll continue uh, with a conversation or with the earthing movie This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Law. 
Do you enjoy interviews with amazing guests? Then join Crypt Rick every Monday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Revolution Radio. Studio A, freedomslips.com. Crypt Rick's Hyper-Thinking. Welcome to the Crypt. <laughs> Join me at Revolution Radio, Studio B, at 11 a.m. on Saturday for free association. When we take a look at philosophy, spirituality, psychology, social issues, and geopolitics. It's every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. On Studio B at freedomslips.com. Enter into a world unseen on Raven Star's Witching Hour. You will encounter eclectic topics from the realm of spirit brought into our matrix of truth. With your host, the Solaris Blue Raven. Solaris will bring you an array of unique guests covering topics from ghostly spirits to amazing anomalies, covert technology, UFOs, and shadowy global events. And that's right here at RevolutionRadioFreedomSlips.com, Saturdays, midnight till 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Let the magic rise. <laughs> Galactic Interstellar Council on Revolution Radio Studio A, Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Join us as we traverse the Starseed Paradigm. As expressed in the time-space continuum that we know as the divine expression of love and light. Integrating this conscious unity into the galactic paradigm. So welcome all, both terrestrial beings and galactic beings as one. So be it. You're listening to Revolution Radio. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener-supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host.
Okay, welcome back. And uh, what I might do is just continue on with the earthing movie because we've got about 55, 56 minutes, and I think there's about 55 minutes left of this movie, so we might as, I might as well just run it all and uh, give you the benefit of the whole thing. Square foot A-frame log cabin on top of a mountain in Evergreen, Colorado. I was 49 years old playing King of the Mountain, and I won. <laughs> I had everything you could imagine: cars, home in Breckenridge, skiing. Most of all, I had a lot of art. I probably had—I hate to say it—but a quarter million dollars worth of art hanging in my bathroom over the commode. <laughs> I mean, because there was no place else to hang things. About 1994, 95, I was attending a lot of Christmas parties, and I got sick. One Sunday, I, I couldn't get out of bed, and I was turning yellow. I looked at my eyes were yellow. Everything was yellow. And so they took me to an emergency room. They couldn't figure out what was wrong, but I was losing everything. My liver was shutting down. I was only 49 at the time, and they said, you need to think about getting your house in order because you're young enough to get a new liver, but you may not have time. I was on every IV, every type of antibiotic you can probably inject into a person, and they said that they had a surgeon that wanted to experiment and see if there was a way they could go in and cut out all the liver that had been damaged, which was the majority of it. I agreed to that because I really had no option. I remember I was in surgery, thought that was the last time I would see. And I woke up a few days later and I see you. And I remember my secretary was right here in my face. And my first thought was, I didn't know that you had died. <laughs> the pain started coming on. Then I realized that I was still here. It took about a year for my energy to recover. One morning I woke up and I looked out the window. And I noticed that everything was more energetic. The sky was vibrant. Everything was vibrant. I thought I was left over from drugs. I didn't know. But I looked around the room that I was laying in, and I said to myself that this is all crazy. This house, everything is crazy because I, I almost died. All I had ever done was collect these things, and I spent my life taking care of them. I didn't own any of this stuff because when I die, you know, I go away. They really owned me. They owned my soul. I went through this feeling that I just had to get rid of everything, push everything away from me, anything that was material, even though I loved it and I spent my life collecting it and taking care of it. I had to push it away, so I called my children and I said, I want you to come and take whatever there is in this house that you want. One of them called the doc and said, there's something wrong with my dad. He needs to see a psychologist. And I remember seeing the psychologist. There's, there's nothing wrong with me. This, this is what I'm, I have to do this. 
after disposing and giving and getting rid of everything, I decided I wanted to change my life, and I bought an RV, and I went on a road trip. And I ended up in Sedona, Arizona. One day I was sitting at a computer, and the computer kept crashing. I knew it was static electricity, so I put a piece of tape across my desk and grounded it. And I realized in that process that the outlet wasn't grounded, so I fixed it so that I could get rid of the static electricity. I didn't think too much about it. I walked outdoors, and I sat on a bench, and this tour bus pulled up. And it looked like they had just been to one of these uh, outlet malls and white Nike shoes were on sale. It just dawned on me. You know, I asked the question, I said, I wonder if it's possible that humans are, you know, we're no longer naturally grounded. I wonder if these shoes could be interfering with us. So that night I went to the hardware store and I bought a roll of metal duct tape. And I just taped it across the bed. I threw a wire out the window and I had a ground rod outside. I connected to the ground rod on one side and connected to the metal duct tape that I had laid on the bed. So when I laid down on the duct tape, I was like grounded because it was connected to the earth. And I woke up the next morning and I thought, Holy cow, there's something going on here because normally for me to go to sleep, I had to take Advil. So I tried to find out what I could. The internet was hardly anything. This is back in 99. I went down to the University of Arizona and to one of their medical libraries, and there was nothing. And in fact, I even tried to find the cause of chronic pain. The cause of MS was unknown. The cause of arthritis, unknown. They didn't know. Nobody knew. So I thought, well, I'll go out to L.A., I'll go to UCLA and ask them. They pretty much laughed me off campus. <laughs> they said, do you expect us to believe that somebody's going to put a nail in the ground, tie a wire around somebody's toe, and it's going to make them sleep better? They said, get out of here. Go away. You're nuts. So I ended up having to put together my own study. I found an anesthesiologist in San Diego. And he says, I don't think there's anything to what you're doing. This has got to be an anomaly here. But I'll entertain you. He says, I will prove that you're wrong. And we grounded 60 people. And the reports that came in were unbelievable. TMJ disappeared. PMS disappeared. Inflammation reduced. Pain. Everybody slept better. It's the first study that I did that was a legitimate study where we had quantifiable data. When they saw the study, everybody said, well, this is really pretty interesting. And we ended up attracting scientists, physicists. Like any important discovery, nobody was interested. They thought he was crazy. Now there are a lot of scientists who are interested. Researchers, MDs, MD, PhDs, PhDs like me. I'm very interested in biological questions. Earthing brings up some really profound biological questions. While these grounding studies were positive, 
what was grounding actually doing inside the human body? The answer may surprise you. Stephen Sinatra, who was a cardiologist from back east, was attending a convention. Then we sat down with Stephen and told him the story of what I was doing. I said, well, if you're affecting pain, he says, you need to be researching inflammation. You don't have arthritis. You don't have cancer. You don't have all these health disorders. What you have is chronic inflammation. To me at the time, inflammation was you sprain an ankle and it balloons up and gets red and sore and it's inflamed. And he says, no, he says inflammation is different than that. We have so much inflammation in the body and it comes out in illnesses. We go to a doctor with all these complaints, but a lot of it is silent inflammation, including my specialty, heart disease. Heart disease is an inflammatory process. So how do we reduce inflammation? The most abundant protein in the body is collagen. It's the building block of our tissues. And we have gazillions of collagen molecules in our bodies. They are all embedded in a gel. This gel has a huge surface area and it absorbs electrons and releases them when you have an injury. Inflammation is produced by neutrophils, which is a white blood cell. You have an injury, you have a damaged cell. And so these white blood cells come over and they encapsulate the damaged cell and they release reactive oxygen species, which rip electrons from the damaged cell and that destroys the damaged cell. White blood cells release free radicals at the injury site. They chew up any pathogens, bacteria, or dead cells. They clear the area. It's called the repair field. It's the place that needs to be repaired. Without earthing, some of the free radicals that are released into the repair field leak into the surrounding tissue. If there's not enough free electrons there to reduce the remaining radicals, they're going to steal an electron from a healthy cell and in the process damage it. Then the message goes out to the immune system and another neutrophil. All right, I'm just going to let this play, but it's, uh, it's being a little bit temperamental. It'll get there in the end. It's a remarkable That's the same movie. thing, eliminates that cell. There's a lot of good stuff in here. It's very simple, but very, very, very effective, I think. And when I get a reasonable amount of bandwidth back, it'll start again. And then you end up with a chain reaction. And this can create chronic inflammation, silent inflammation. You, you may not even know it's there, and it continues for years. If inflammation is the cause of all these health disorders, then I know that that not enough rounding is the cause of inflammation because if the body is grounded, you can't. All right, what he's saying is that the earth is the cause of health. So you remove the earth and you start to get sick uh, in very simple terms. So you put the earth back, you start 
walking barefoot somewhere on a beach or wherever and the uh, the electrical charge in your body disappears, the extra bit disappears and you get your health back so you can't get any simpler than that really I don't know how long it's going to take so grounding studies showed promise but there was still a big question was grounding really achieving these results in the human body or was it something else a placebo effect of some kind i am senior research medical scientist at north american science associates i spent about 10 years working in the environmental area five of those at the environmental protection agency and in 1980, I started working at the Food and Drug Administration, where I led a team of biostatisticians, and we reviewed clinical trials for new medical devices. I would guess that approximately 10% uh, of the medical devices that FDA sees from an inception would end up getting approval at the end of the day. So I would review them very critically. A couple of years ago, my 92-year-old mother was suffering from peripheral artery disease and that would require them to do an intervention. They would go in and have to clean out her femoral artery, put in a balloon or stent. They usually have to go in every six or nine months to clean out the artery and I felt at that age they couldn't keep doing this. I tried most everything and I was looking around and I saw this thing unearthing that earthing might be helpful for peripheral artery disease. And I said, well, it's not going to hurt her. I don't think it will really help her. So I purchased her an earthing sheet and had her sleep on it for one night. She was also having trouble hitting a forehand. And this is a lady who had played tennis for 70 years and she just couldn't remember how to hit it. Next day, she had no trouble. So I said, there's definitely something here. In all my years in the medical device field, I had never seen any responses like this for any device or any drug. She's now 94. We play tennis five or six times a week. She leads a fully active life, cleans her house, does pretty much everything for herself. And we attribute this to the earthing. It's done a great deal. I was having problems, well, with my legs. It was hard for me to walk, and I was quite certain I would never be able to play tennis and do other things that I wanted to do. And it improved greatly, and I went back to playing tennis. Not as good as before, but pretty good anyway. It just changed my life. I didn't have the worries that I had before that something bad might happen if I kept trying to do things. I should just go ahead and try everything. This is the biggest development I've seen in the medical field in my five decades in public health and my three decades in the clinical trial field in medical devices. I just have a hard time believing this is a uh, placebo effect. You need electrons for energy.
It's called the electron transport chain in mitochondria. It generates adenosine triphosphate or ATP. It's the energy molecule in the body. I tell athletes that before an event, stand 15 minutes in your bare feet on the grass and you will charge up your electron stores. And should you fall down and athletes fall down, you will not have inflammation at all. If you could think about the last time you were barefoot, like in nature, it probably wasn't very recently, you know? Can you walk us through it? What is the, let's earth. Yeah, yeah what is my let's first take, step? take the first shoes step. off, take first the step. shoes okay. off. I first learned about grounding maybe 12, 13 years ago through one of the trainers for the Tour de France team from the U.S. and he was using it with many other athletes and with surprising results. And I think the surprising breath summarizes my response to it because it didn't seem to make sense. I think I became a believer once I started to explore the science. ATP is short for adenosine triphosphate. It's the energy currency of the cell. We're a bioelectrical beings. That's the currency of our body. That's how it works. That's how we run our biological systems is by generating this electrical energy that's transferred. And when we connect to the earth through a conductive surface in some way, there's a transfer of electrons that slowly go into our body. We tried to figure out how much charge the body takes in when you touch the earth. What happens is the body saturates with electrons practically instantaneously. It's so fast that you can't measure it. So electrons from the earth enter the body right away and they coat the red blood cells so that the cells repel each other. And then they can't clump and the blood viscosity goes down. It's easier for the heart to pump the blood. The blood pressure goes down all kinds of cardiovascular issues, they go away. In situations where we are insulating ourselves from this a surplus of electrons into our body, we're gonna get the absolute opposite. So instead of having low levels of inflammation and a thin blood, we'll have thick blood that's more likely to clot and our levels of inflammation tend to increase. And I'm, I'm just thinking on the way here, I was thinking about. Okay, I'm going to jump in there. Just, just that one sentence is enough to tell me that part of the problem that might be happening with, um, with vaccine injuries is uh, people getting the vaccine, which produces clotting, when they're not, when people are not grounded. So some people get clots and some people don't. So there's obviously something else going on there. And this is one of the things that might be going on, which is why I'm interested in it. And uh, thanks to a guy called Alex for putting me on for this movie because it's, uh, it explains something that I was looking for an explanation for. And it's a, and it's a very, very, very good movie. It, it, I'm going to, I'm going to test this over the summer at the beach. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to report back on a Saturday and a Tuesday if if and if and how it makes a difference to the, how I sleep and how I'm uh, feeling in my body. Um, 
so I'll know by the end of the summer whether this works or not and uh, hopefully if you guys test it as well then you'll know how maybe the thinning of the blood is the reason that all the physiological systems go into balance Of all the grounding studies, the one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Vagal Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized. And their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. So there are two things. There are the electrons from the earth and there's the electrical rhythms of the earth. And that's very important for setting our biological clocks. For thousands of years, spiritual masters have taught the benefits of meditation and sitting on the earth. That's why some people believe that earthing and meditation go hand in hand. The world is constantly, every situation, every event, every relationship is really a reflection of yourself. Uh, okay, I, I would like if you, uh, you agreed to it earlier, but sure. could, we, could you do a guided meditation with yeah. us? Two minutes? Sure. Uh, so, would you all uh, put your feet firmly on the ground, keep your hands in your lap? Everything that we call the environment is actually our body. If everything wasn't as is in the solar system, the earth wouldn't spin on its own axis and it wouldn't go around the sun, there would be no seasons. So, your biological rhythms circadian rhythms are the earth spinning on its own axis. Your seasonal rhythms is the earth going around the sun and they're programmed into your body. If you disconnect from your cosmic body, because that's what the earth is, part of our cosmic body, you in a sense create the separation that results in disruption of your biological rhythms. Everything linked from dis-ease, discomfort, to inflammation starts with this disconnect, everything. Now we know that if somebody walks barefoot on grass or the earth or on the beach, at a very fundamental level basically, the free radicals that are built up in your body as a result of stress and inflammation, they are neutralized. But what is really happening at a fundamental level is you're restoring your biological rhythms and bringing them in alignment or you might say synchrony with the earth which is connected to the entire cosmos. And slowly open your eyes. That was so cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I am so grateful for you. Yeah. 
the analogy would be a good orchestra. If they're all playing by themselves, what you hear is noise. But if there's a conductor, there's a kind of a coherence entanglement of these frequencies, you hear music. So there's a cosmic symphony that is playing itself out in your body right this moment. Maybe you can't hear the tune, but you're dancing to it anyway. If you take a microscope and you look at a piece of wood and you go down, 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 all of a sudden there's nothing there. There's molecules, but they're not even connected. What's holding them together? What's the force that's holding everything together? Electromagnetism. Our body is electrical. This is all electronic equipment. The heart, the lungs, the brain. I mean, this is electrical equipment. It's all electrical. Everything is electrical. Can we measure the effects reproducibly? The answer to that is yes. We have now have 20 studies. There's like, yeah, 20, 21 published studies in the medical literature on earthing and grounding. And this is peer review stuff. In simple terms, what earthing does is literally it squenches the fires of inflammation. And if inflammation is the source of all root illnesses, including Alzheimer's disease, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, I mean, the list goes on and on. If you can impact inflammation and, you know, squelch it, kill it, Stop it. We're going to be healthy at beings. I didn't know anything about grounding. I had never heard of it at all, but I became a new mom, and I had my first child, and she had colic, and she cried and cried and cried. First thing I did, being a physician myself, was take her to the pediatrician and remember distinctly leaving that pediatrician's office with a knot in my stomach because the first thing they told me is, it's a baby, let him cry. Literally the only time I noticed that she wasn't in pain and the only time I could soothe her was when I was outside and I was barefoot and I had her in my arms and every time we were outside she relaxed. I noticed if I did use a stroller or if she was in a car, she was still in pain and uncomfortable. This is not placebo effect, like she had no idea if I was wearing shoes or not. She doesn't know that. I'm holding her either way. And I just slowly started realizing this child can only take a nap and feel comfort is if she was on my skin, held skin to skin, and I was barefoot. She'd be dead asleep, and if I stepped in the house and took both my feet off the ground, she would wake back up and the pain response would come back. And I didn't know what it was called, and I didn't at that time feel comfortable thinking about using it in my conventional medical practice, but I just knew that this is what I'm gonna do to help my child. I was working with a mentor of mine and she recommended that I ground my energy. That I didn't know what she meant by ground yourself. So the first thing I did was go home and look it up on the internet. And through doing a search uh, about grounding, I found Clint Ober's work and the book about earthing. And I realized that it's a real thing and a real healing modality with tons of medical literature behind it. The light switch went on. And I thought, we're doing things completely backwards here. A typical day for a child is completely ungrounded. Most children wake up 
sleeping on a bed that was not grounded in a house or a building or on a floor that was insulated from the earth. And then they go immediately into a classroom that's insulated. Then even on recess, in the recess period, they go outside and are literally fenced in and are paved with asphalt. And then they have after-school activities, which are either indoors or if they're outdoors, they are literally required to wear protective gear. And even if they're exercising for two hours after school, 100% disconnected from the earth. And then they go home and they go inside and they eat dinner and they do homework all hours of the night. And then they pass out in an ungrounded bed. So that's a 24-hour period of time, completely ungrounded. And that goes on day after day after day. I was at a retreat weekend for a group of women. It's called Inspire through our National Association for uh, teachers who don't take care of themselves. Teaching us how to. The first day I got there and got a lot of leaders, you need to go around. I'm like, okay. They grabbed us. And within that half hour, there was no need for medication. And I had been taking two Motrin every four hours for almost three weeks. The district that I am in already actually has, um, with Clinton, a, a school that has a grounding classroom. One of the reasons that the other teacher pushed so hard to get this room, she had a group of students that had significant behavior issues. And they would rip their shoes off and go running out of the room, and they would all over campus looking for them. They would always find them in the planters by the tree. But I had one teacher tell me in the special ed class that they had runners. And what a runner is, is a kid who just runs out of the classroom, and they take off, and everybody has to go find where the student is. I realized that these kids who are the runners, they're running out to the far back corner of the school campus and it's the only place that has grass and they're sitting down on the grass. And so I went back and I talked to my special education director and I said, can we try this? Can we try this with some of our students with autism? I brought it into my room and I have a student with autism, very severe autism. He's completely nonverbal and you know, it's, it's a good day when I can get this child to sit for 10 seconds. I pulled my mat out, I cleaned it off, and I took his socks and shoes off, put his little feet on it. That boy sat for seven minutes straight and played with me. He sat for seven minutes straight. So I took that back to my boss, and that is something that our school district is looking into, is getting more schools with classrooms that have grounding in them. I've heard stories from teachers in classes where their students are grounded that they have half the level of referrals for discipline. Some students who were in tears because they were experiencing success when before they were experiencing failure with their behavior and discipline. I've heard stories from teachers with autistic children who have been grounded where they have less of what they call the meltdowns and the meltdowns are less frequent and shorter and they come back into the classroom and they're learning more than they had learned prior to the grounding. How much of it is that they're just so out of control in their mind and there's so many things that they, and, and these kids, our campus is concrete. There's no place. Even when they're in PE, they've got tennis shoes on. There's no place for them to be grounded. 
it's amazing what happens not just with the teacher at the front of the class but what can happen with a student sitting in the class and just think if every single student and every single teacher and every single classroom and every single school across this whole world was grounded it turns out there's a reason kids love to put their feet on the ground and these guys claim to know why hey my name is finian i'm lauren and my name is ryland and we're kids the ground and our mission is to inspire participation in global regeneration starting with soil we evolve very connected to the soil with our feet in the soil our hands in the soil and what this means when you're connecting with it is just starting to be discovered you know there are papers and things in science that are just very recent coming out telling us that actually touching soil is helping to make your immune system stronger you can feel it when you're working in that regenerative relationship with nature it feels different it changes lives and one of the biggest sources of suffering in life is the experience of being disconnected and disconnected from what nature and the basis of nature is our soil the coolest thing about connecting to soil and the planet is it really makes you happy it feels good and now we have science that shows that it's a cure for depression So who, which one of you was the first one to discover Earth? I'm gonna say it was Mary Ellen. She was born before me. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> she got 18 months of bare feet on the ground before I even hit the that ground. That might be around. an insult. Yeah, we actually went to the, the the track when we first got together. We went over to Pepperdine University. She hadn't run since when? A long time. Yeah, and she's I do yoga, and I was like, well, we need to go to the track. We went to the track and. We ran barefoot in the grass for a couple of hours. She loved it. That was for fun. That was for fun. Yeah, we didn't even talk about grounding. It's just something that you do. So we get up, we watch sunrises, and then we usually go out for a hike. I remember the first time he was like, he stopped and he took his shoes. He didn't say anything. He took his shoes off. Like, what are you doing? And he just started walking and didn't do anything. And he also closed his eyes. That was a whole other terror. I came from a very dysfunctional home. You know, I loved my family tremendously, but there was a lot of mental illness. My grandfather being one of the greatest writers of the 20th century, he suffered tremendous mental health issues. And he also took his life in 1961, three months before I was born. I lost a great-grandfather, two great-grandfathers, another great-uncle, an uncle, a cousin, and my own sister took, took her life. This house was filled with people that were tremendously tortured. A lot of yelling, there was a lot of drinking, there was a lot of self-medication, there was a lot of craziness that was happening. To sort of survive was, for me, getting out in nature just any time I could be outside. And I'd find myself lying on the grass or lying in a field or lying in a meadow. That would make me feel better. And then it wasn't until I met Bobby that I realized that what I was instinctually doing actually was a very real way to 
address all kinds of inflammation. Inflammation isn't just physical. There is neuroinflammation. That's brain inflammation. Brain inflammation causes depression, causes all kinds of serious problems. This is a much bigger thing than just walking barefoot on the ground. This, this, this is helping, well, especially me, uh, helping me have a, a way more balanced life. My grandfather, you think of great artists, some of the greatest writing that they do comes from when they were at some beautiful and specific place and their description of it. That comes from an understanding, from a connection to it. To know that there are solutions and there are solutions in nature. And one of the biggest solutions is that connection to nature. And people forget that first. It's sad because it is so accessible and it is so real to know that a grounded me, Marielle, or a grounded you or anybody else is different than the one who's not connected. And that's what grounding does. It pulls you into you, to who you are. You know, I think it's always the same thing. It's the thing that your mom said when you were a kid, go outside and play, go outside and get some fresh air. By the way, a lot of grounding from this guy, 19 years old. Look at the feet. <laughs> yes. That's one grounded dog right there. <laughs> I first heard about grounding, I want to say about seven years ago. It immediately changed my mindset to appreciating the ground. And then the history that we used to all be on the ground and sleep on the ground and wear shoes that were connected to the ground, not plasticized and disconnecting. And I thought, okay, this makes actually so much sense. How have I not been able to put that together before? <laughs> I mean, I've always loved nature. I grew up in nature. But the idea of actually putting my feet on the ground without shoes it felt always good, but I didn't really connect that it actually could be good for my body. Because I know we're all electrical beings, so we're constantly being bombarded with everything sort of artificial and overstimulating, and I feel really sensitive to that. If I'm working, you know, long hours and have this electrical mic strapped on, acting and, and just being around everything so electrical, it starts to just exhaust me. And I think we all get so overstimulated by all the electrification around us. And I don't think it's doing us any good. <laughs> Big girl. Our bodies are constantly being bombarded by everything electrical in our lives. And for me, I've learned that in order to recalibrate my body, I just need to put my feet on the ground barefoot. And it just sort of equalizes. And I also think it's like when you get intentional with putting your feet on the ground, you immediately still yourself. And you're able to just, again, reconnect back to nature, to the simplicity of, of Mother Earth, of this great, huge planet. Because you're appreciating what's under your feet. It's a whole, like, symbiotic relationship that we've disconnected from in such big ways, I mean, that 
just the simple act of putting your feet on the ground can give you so much and so much balance in your body and so much healing. It's like we're sucking the life energy through our through our feet up our bodies into to to from our mama. <laughs> so bad. I can't what that's really embarrassing. It's hard because it's so easy and it's so simple. People are like, really, you're making a big deal of that? <laughs> Intuitively, it 100% resonates. And I'm raising my daughter this way, where I'm, I want her to be barefoot outside as much as she can. My husband likes being barefoot. That's great. I don't have to convince him to like take his shoes off. Animals always barefoot, and I know just bringing them outside makes them happy. So I'm just going to keep doing that, whether people want to make fun of me or not. Whatever you believe in, when you're out in nature, it feels bigger than you, and it feels like you have reverence for what we have here. I've always been climbing mountains, running rivers, always had a garden wherever I lived. Lived in Hawaii and Alaska where I did naked gardening. It was wonderful. But once you're in a wheelchair, all of that kind of goes away. I'm 58. I was a singer-dancer-actress for most of my career. But then at age 36, I woke up paralyzed one day from this rare disease called transverse myelitis. It affects maybe one in about two million people. And when it first happened to me, they didn't know what it was. And eventually they've come to realize it has to do with inflammation and it's an immune dysfunction. You know, your body attacking itself. At the same time, the doctors say, well, we don't understand it and we don't really know how to treat it. So we'll just treat the symptoms. And for 21 years, that's been my story. My niece actually sent me a grounding kit about three years ago. She knew that I couldn't physically in touch with the earth anymore. And she heard about this and she thought it'd be the perfect thing for me. So I received it. And my first impression was, okay, this makes no sense to me at all, but I don't want to hurt my niece's feelings. So I put it on the end of the bed and plugged it into the socket as per my instructions. And the first night, I couldn't feel anything. It didn't seem to make any difference. But when I woke up in the morning, my feet, which are always swollen, first time I tried it, there was no swelling in my feet. I could see the bones in my feet. And that hadn't happened probably in six months. I just made it a part of my life. 
after a couple years, it suddenly occurred to me, gee, everybody I know who's in a wheelchair has inflammation and swelling issues along with pain. So I called Marty and said, let me tell you about the Abilities Expo. Would you guys consider expanding your audience? Dr. Clint thought it was a great idea, and now they're here. Natural phenomena, a remarkable natural phenomena that exists right beneath our feet, earthing or grounding, is about connecting to this natural resource. And regardless of your condition, it can make you feel better. Here's the background. Throughout time, throughout history, humans were connected to the earth. We walked barefoot. We slept on natural animal hides. We were connected to the earth. But today, it's a different story. We sleep in elevated beds. We wear synthetic soled shoes. And even our wheelchairs are insulating us. When we make direct contact with the surface of the earth, our bodies receive it. Ten years ago, I was working with a holistic cardiologist, and we wanted to do an article on grounding. And so he said to me, that the cardiologist said, you got to call Clint Ober. And so I went and I called Clint Ober. I spoke to him for five minutes, and I realized this is not an article. This is a book. This is a huge discovery. Well, when I first heard about it, um, it was, took it with a pinch of salt. It sounded a little, a little too good to be true. Having now experienced several friends and people on our team who have used grounding, the skepticism is pretty much gone. Right behind us right now is one of my friends. Her mom is in a companion chair. Fifteen minutes ago, she was swollen legs. Feet were cold, hands were cold, and now they're not. And this is her first experience of grounding. That's 15 minutes of real life demonstration so I'm pretty much a convert I am 39 years old trying to take pride in that I have, was diagnosed with MS 14 years ago the first time I heard about grounding I thought get real this seems crazy my friend patched me up and I sat there and we all just talked for about 45 minutes I found myself smiling, and that wasn't something that I did, you know, I just didn't. Um. I physically have more energy. It, I don't have the fatigue. I feel like I really can accomplish things. I can brush my teeth now without holding onto the counter. My balance is better. I just feel, sounds silly, but I feel more grounded. I feel like my feet are really like hanging onto the ground and I'm there and I do it every night. I sleep on a pad and um, I patch up my hands and sleep with a grounding blanket and I just really am obsessive because I'm noticing. I just finally look forward to to tomorrow. Um, for the most part, it's been sleep. You know, she's been able to get through the night without having to get up like, you know, six times to go to the bathroom or anything like that. Um, 
her spasticity has gotten a ton better. She used to have like restless legs all night, and that doesn't really happen anymore. It's been huge. It's been a big difference for her. I want everybody to try this. I don't want anybody to not experience this. Anybody who has pain, anybody who can't sleep that well, anybody who gets depressed, you know, I mean, these are all things that have been completely lifted out of my life. I used to feel like a burden, a real burden to my husband, to my family, and I don't feel like a burden anymore. I feel, I feel good, and I feel like things are going to get better. It's my miracle. As Athena began to ground more and more, we noticed a dramatic shift in her health. Athena, do you know what grounding is? It's yes. Yeah? What is it? It's when you put your feet with her body on Mama Earth, and she heals you. That's right. How does she heal you? With her healing magic. <laughs> the healing magic. And have you been grounding? Yes. Yeah? And what happened as a result of that? I did not go to the hospital for a year. You haven't been to the hospital in a whole year. Amazing. We're so happy about that, aren't we? You don't like the hospital very much, do you? When we began grounding Athena, a very progressive doctor had suggested I also try it. He told me to lie naked on the ground. It sounded ridiculous. But I did it anyway. And then everything changed. I began to sleep through the night. My energy level shifted. And I got my libido back. Over the next six months, I kept practicing grounding and I lost 50 pounds. I wasn't expecting any of this. Hi, Cliff. I was just trying to heal my daughter. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Thank you for coming to visit us. <laughs> no problem. I enjoyed it. The beautiful drive today. Yes. Wow, look at you. This is, this is insane. How did you do this? There is this incredible thing I need to tell you about. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's called grounding. Huh. Come on in. Right. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Well, good to be here. I'm going to get those shoes off. So the first thing I'm extremely excited to share with you is that our daughter has not been to the emergency room in many months now. You know, I can't tell you how many nights at 2 a.m. we wound up in the emergency room because she couldn't breathe. And now she's like any other kid. You know, she gets a cold. She has a normal cold. She sleeps through the night. You know, what, what can you attribute that to? Well, when children are sick and they get run down, they don't get good sleep and they have inflammation in their body. She started grounding and she started sleeping better. The grounding is reducing the inflammation. She's working with a, a significantly improved immune system. It's called immunotherapy. Get grounded and improve your immune system. So the surprise side effect of grounding our daughter was I got grounded. Right. 
And as you can see, I've had a complete transformation. Can you explain what happened to me? Yes. As soon as you get grounded, the first thing that happens, uh, you quiet the sympathetic nervous system. And then eventually the adrenals will start to recover. But when your adrenals become exhausted because of too much stimulation here, then the sympathetic overdrives and then you end up with adrenal fatigue. And that is the precursor to most all of these things, including weight gain. I never would have believed that you and I would be sitting here having this conversation. <laughs> Not in a million years. Uh, no. Have other women reported weight loss as a result of grounding? Yes. Not to the point that I could come out and say, well, get grounded and you're going to lose weight. It starts up here and starts, I mean, getting the pain out of your body, getting the stress, the anxiety, the irritability, the depression out of, out of the body. And then all of a sudden the right hormones start to surface. Your energy comes up, metabolism comes up. It's, you know, health is not something we really have to work on. We have to let it be. We have to take the things that are interfering with our health, that are compromising our immune system and remove them from our life. And then the body will back to normal. So that's pretty much it. There's about so five minutes left to run of that. So I got most of it in. And uh, you're listening to Free Association. It's the roundtable version, which means it's me for two hours on a Tuesday, every Tuesday at 4 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. UK time. And next week it'll be different for me, I think, because there's, uh, there's some kind of time change going on. So I'll have to figure that out in between. Uh, but... It's been a good one. It took a totally different turn to how I was expecting it to go. I was expecting Ukraine and, and Russia. But uh, that first that first 10-minute video set me off in a totally different direction, uh, which is fine. That's the way I like it. Um, and I've been, I've been thinking about playing the Earthing movie for a while, and now's the perfect opportunity to do that. So it's... It's there. It's on BitChute. If you wanna, if you wanna take a look, but just take your shoes off and run in the park. That's a simple thing. Just walk in the park barefoot and see what happens. It's an experiment, and I'll see you next week. a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You oppose government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyal? 
treason to oppose the hands of tyranny, never. I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me death! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given right, and we shall not give that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. This is... Jim Fetzer, inviting you to join me on The Raw Deal, Revolution.